episode two, here we go, where we talk about stuff and nobody listens to us. I'm your host, Allie, and this is my co-host, Joe Batir, who was gracious enough to let me attempt to sound as professional as him for this intro. <laughs> However, while thinking about it, all I could think of was the, uh, like the intro to, did you, did you ever watch Whose Line Is It Anyway? Growing I up? did, oh yeah. Welcome we, to the show where everything's made up and the, and points, the don't points don't matter. Oh my gosh, we were huge fans of that show in our household growing up. Yeah, yeah. I I remember watching it. I liked it. I think it's funny. I feel like you're not as big as a f- I'm not getting I the just, fact that you actually enjoyed the show. <laughs> no, I just <laughs> it's I, so good. It is good. It is good. But I don't. I don't. I guess we weren't like a, did you, we didn't watch all the time. Right, right, right. Did you, we've talked about this off. Yeah, I, I did not grow up with cable. Right. It was a, it was a, it was a slow burn to us getting cable. When, did you have a television? Or did, oh, yeah. Were there at yeah, some we had a television. We had multiple television. televisions. Oh, okay. We weren't just a one television family. We had one in the kitchen. You feel, I feel like you're in the <laughs> One in the TV room. And that was it until until we moved to Shanahan. Which is funny because we have a Batir house rule where, well, one, we only have one television. <laughs> and I don't think our house is big enough for more than that. But we have definitely have a rule where there will never be a TV in the bedroom. Yeah. yeah. Or any of the children's rooms or child's rooms. Any of rooms. the children's rooms. Yeah, right. there's really no need. Yeah, I'm not a fan. It's excessive. No offense well, to anyone it's who not, has one in the bedroom. It's not excessive. Let me... Let me take that back. If we're gonna watch I TV, we can is, go to the couch. It's not yeah, that big of a deal. It is. It is. Um. It makes it. Yeah, not that it's excessive. It makes sense. It's fine. Everybody can watch what they want to watch. But if we're all watching TV, why don't we just watch it together? Right. Yeah, like we shouldn't. We shouldn't be watching things that. Right. In separate that Everybody rooms. doesn't want to watch. Like I'll watch. Married at First Sight. Right. Not really interested in it. It's so good. But all that made up drama is great. This is love what, it. This is what I love. And you can attest to this because I would venture to say like at least 50%, if not 85% of me watching Married at First Sight is me watching it with like while covering my eyes. <laughs> Could you confirm that? Yes. Yes, <laughs> it is. Because it's so cringy. And it's like, and this is a thing like, I'm sure some people watch that show for like the drama. I just want to see people get arranged marriage and it turn out well. Like I'm, I just want it all to work out. Like I'm not here for the drama. I actually think arranged marriage could be a really good idea given the correct parameters in the right context. But, and I don't know, and I'm talking to you about this and I can already see your eyes glazing <laughs> over, but I've been watching for a few years now and it has been extremely apparent to me and I don't know if it's COVID is like reducing the people who are applying for the show, but the people who are getting on the show are just not prepared for marriage in any stretch of the imagination. Like their view, it is like very much, and they go through a very rigorous like psych eval and everything to get onto the show. And so you'd think that they would like have an understanding of like, hey, like, what an actual practical marriage is, but these people are just not. And so it's extremely painful to watch, but again, you could care less so we can move on. And I think it's, it's important to point out that it is, 
It is an arranged marriage, but it is also a reality show, which to me, is when you're talking mix. about a, a, an arranged marriage in a cultural situation where that is the norm and where that is what right, is expected, right, right. Right. that is completely different because then there is that expectation that you will make it work and you will find a way. Whereas here, every every third sentence out of the experts' mouths are, in 24 days, they're right. going to need to make a decision. Do they stay married right. or do they get a divorce? There's definitely a lot of... Like, putting arranged marriages... Marriage is... is like, it's marriage. It's not a yeah. walk in the park. But it's... An arranged marriage is extremely complex, not to mention the fact that you're putting them on an eight-week timeline which eight weeks is nothing yeah and, and i think and the, have cameras in their face constantly yeah. filming everything and i think that's the it's not really an arranged marriage it is because of that i i say it's not an arranged marriage because you don't go into an arranged marriage thinking okay well if this doesn't work out in two months then right. i'm leaving right. whereas that is what they are saying here right which is the same to me it is it is the same idea as any of these other love shows or romance reality shows mm. where you spend a little bit of time getting to know somebody, you make a decision like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to leave with this person. Whereas this one is just like, okay, this is the person that you can or can't make it work with. Are you going to try after eight weeks? Right. Whereas like the bachelor or that love is blind or the uh, the furry one. The furry one. Oh. You know, the new one on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Furry I love. I, they have to dress like Scary them. faces. It's it's a stupid Scary show. faces. Sure, fun love. Concept. I don't know. I only watched Furry half fun an love. I don't know. Love and the fun furs. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know the name. But to me, it it's all kind of the same premise of let experts set you up on a blind date. And and then do an extended dating period type thing. Right. Anyway, that's that's a bit of a tangent. <laughs> we're not really. We we're not here to talk about love are, at first sight really was or not, married at first sight. It wasn't even on my plan of things. Was to talk not about. on there. Do you want to? Do you want to just do a just really non subtle transition to poop? <laughs> let's not do let's do a subtle transition you know one thing that one thing that surprised me in the last episode there's this couple johnny and bow if you guys are listening shout out but <laughs> that was so bad at the beginning of married at first sight we're always like oh i wonder if they fart in front of each other right. or i wonder if like if they like poop in front of right. each other or, like There's what like goes on marriage stuff this was the first episode they're they're over a month in and Bao burped in Johnny's face. On accident. On accident. But that really... That was real life. That was real life. That was real marriage. Yeah. Right. Are you? Is that your speaking of <laughs> Speaking of bodily functions, I... That's actually you were not talking a good tangent, about, but it's a good You were job. talking about something about poop earlier. Right. Okay. This is the headline. Um, baby's poop has way higher levels of microplastics than adults oh yeah i was not i was not set up for this no that was a bad transition <laughs> it's really 
even. But hey, they're both bodily functions. Okay, so hear me out. This is from The Verge. I'll put the link in the show notes, but the honestly, Verge. just Google it because apparently we've known about this for the past couple of years. So there's articles everywhere. Um, so not only are is there more microplastics in babies' poops, poop, but it's 10 times more than adults. That's a lot. Good news, good news, good news, good news is doctors or scientists are still trying to figure out exactly what that means in terms of health for the children. So we don't really have any like direct. Means they're processing the poop more. They're getting that, those micros out. That could be a good Get those microplastics out. (laughs) But what I thought was interesting, because I was reading this and I was like, uh, I was like, where is these plastics coming from? Does it tell you? Well, I was reading it and then I realized, oh my gosh, like how stupid am I? Really everything that is made for children is plastic and they, and kids stick things in their mouths all the time. And so obviously they're getting microplastics in them because they're shoving plastic toys in their mouth 24 seven until the age of 17, you know, like they're constantly putting this stuff in their mouth. So it wasn't that surprising to me anymore, but then it did talk about like, um, bottle feeding and heating up formula just like hot water in a water bottle it it has the plastics so what is what is considered a microplastic oh my gosh i wasn't prepared for that question because when i hear microplastics i think of like i think of like confetti sized or smaller bits of plastic that's just showing up in the poop whereas leaching of plastic material to me, that sounds more of a... So what is it you're saying? Yeah. It's just like... Um, it's... I just had it. I just had it. It's just like tiny bits of plastic that breaks off. Like in, like tiny fibers and pieces of it that breaks off. But it, I just... I, I continue to read the article because, you know, I'm, I'm infamous for reading the first two paragraphs. Tiny bits and fibers. It says, scientists used to think that ingested plastics would simply come out the other end, much like other things kids might eat that they shouldn't have. However, research published in 2019 suggests that very small plastic, or sorry, very small pieces of plastic might actually be able to pass through cell membranes to infiltrate the body's circulatory system. If that's the case, microplastics could cause more problems. And it could lead to, you know, bum, 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 inflammation and death. So, I mean, well, <clears throat> hear me say cell death. That's not necessarily I think this death. is... A doom and gloom article. Ooh, sorry, I'm having my. Are you up. are you okay there? I'm, survi- you, I'm surviving. I'm surviving. I'm surviving. We need to get a table. Don't well, we? I was sitting Indian style, and then both my feet fell asleep. Mm, yeah. Oh man. Oh. <laughs> so, I'm good. We I'm need just, to. Speaking of circulatory system, we need to finish building out our our the material we go studios is what we the need to do. The one in the corner of the closet. Well, what are your grand that is plans? the that is the the remote studio. But oh we should Lord. just we should build out a studio so we can record and just be like all chilling and stuff and just relaxing. Right. Or we could just well anyway. Um anyway. That's all sorry I have to say that. about that. I just saw I, that and I was like, lovely. Yeah, yeah. So it it is interesting to me, the microplastics and the microplastic debate. It is Is there a microplastic debate? Well, I don't know if it's a I wouldn't say it's a debate so much. I would say it is a topic of discussion. Okay. There was within a within what within the science within, circles. Well, within 
within the environmentalism movement. And what I'm thinking of, when I hear microplastics, there was an image floating around of, of this bloated whale that died on the beach. And it had like 50 pounds of plastic wow. in its body. But the plastic was all these like, basically it looked like confetti by the time it was like through the digestive system i don't think it was oh just because like, of that just, just like that was the size yeah ripped to shreds or whatever. yeah and to me that is what i think of microplastic but what you're talking about is is going on the same the same trend is why we don't have um what is it bha Plastic, right. BPA. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like that. that's why we got rid of BPA in water bottles right. because of the leaching of the chemicals, right. which supposedly increased es- estrogen in in everybody. You don't want more estrogen? Well, the... the just, it was a joke. The debate <laughs> is was... that it would cause puberty sooner for women. Already a problem, but... Okay. And it would delay puberty for boys and also create man boobs and like other (laughs) and other adverse effects of too much estrogen in males i have two things to say one yes i just had a really funny thought that like 300 years from now like man has evolved to just all men have man boobs (laughs) then that's just normal And you, sorry, that was a funny picture. Um, but is so, that so that way both the mother and the father can say, breastfeed? I will say, and I will have to confirm this, but I have been told this, and I remember reading this, so I'm not making this up. Yeah, it's true. Men, they can do yeah, it. men can lactate. They can with or without quote unquote man boobs. They like, don't even you have need a hormones. Nip, if you have a nipple and if you are stimulated, you can lactate. Yeah, I've heard. So it. it's possible. I've heard these facts too. There you go. Anywho, for the, or my first point that I was going to make was um, so talking about this is this podcast. I'm going to apologize ahead of time, and we may just cut all this out. This may go in a very strange uh, segment of our imagination, but um, it's for years they've been documenting uh, puberty in girls um, getting extremely young. Um, compare especially in America is compared it to other countries. Seven years old now. Oh my gosh, I'm seven. gonna have to look it up. Is it four? What would I look up for that? Four years old. That's when puberty <laughs> starts. Female puberty starts Start when day. in America. I don't think that's going to give you the answer. Because according to the National Institute of Health, puberty usually begins in girls between 8 and 13 years of age and boys between 9 and 14. That's funny how it's like a year off. Puberty is considered to be early in boys before 8, you think, and girls before 9. That did not answer my question. Oh, yeah. That is quite early. 9 years old. I I know people who who went through puberty at 9. So it's 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 not that uncommon. No, but that sounds early. Well, there's this huge article that I would have to, you know, when you're trying to find information, it's kind of like recipes. I don't want a narrative. Just give me the facts, yo. Like, that's all I want. What I'm curious about previously in life, 
the human life expectancy was much lower. Right, and so and the that's puberty what was was puberty was lower, right. and that is something that you see in the animal kingdom. Things that have a very short life expectancy ultimately reach sexual maturity much sooner, hmm. and they've been able to. They being biological scientists have been able to extend the both extend life expectancy, but also reaching sexual maturity through selective breeding and and ultimately the later you come into sexual maturity, more likely the longer that that animal's life expectancy is. That makes sense. And this is like as a population, as a as a species, not necessarily as and a that specific animal. Not that specific animal. Um, I did, and who knows at this point if this is on topic, but I did learn the other day that because um, I always have in my mind that women were, and back then from like, Mars, betroth yeah, no betrothed at very young ages. Like typically, women would have children very young, and that was just like culturally acceptable. Yeah, 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 and. This may be interesting only to me <laughs> as a history buff, but I found out that that's half true. That was really like if you were a peasant, not only did you typically marry around 18 to early 20s, but you married for love. Like that was very like you did not get arranged marriage in most at least European cultures. If you were like in the lower classes, if you were like royalty or in the upper like classes, that's where you saw one arranged marriages and two women being betrothed at like 12 and 13 years old, if not younger than that. Yeah, you got to you gotta figure that out early. You got to just get rid of them. You, you got to work on those relationships, <laughs> that being the royal relationships right, and right. having those. So Speaking of royal relationships. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Before oh, you jump to talk about it so bad. Before you jump to royal relationships, <laughs> I think that, thinking about it, that was like the, the, way to network <laughs> in the past was to marry off your children into more wealthy and more powerful families. That's the only reason half of the the way that the royal families win and, and marrying like the UK marrying somebody from Spain, the right. only reason that Alliances. happened was to create that alliance. Right, right, right. Um other thing I'm this is this podcast has no rhyme or reason. But um, I don't know if you know this, but I love portraits, like paintings of portraits from like 17, as long 16th as it's boy in short shorts. <laughs> Not because oh, I like God. him. I like, I like, I like oh the gosh. idea of that portrait. Right, right. Um, I, for some reason, really like portraits. I had to do a whole, I, I don't even remember, I had one of my history classes in college, I had to do a whole um essay or research paper on them but anyway what i love about them um when they're cool because it's an actual snapshot of a human being living in a different time period but when you get to like portraits of royals uh especially like the ones that weren't so like king louis or like we pretty much know what they look like but for like other royal family members and stuff the oh, i guess researchers have discovered that the there was the um kind of the gosh what i'm blanking on the word the expectation for the painters to make the um person sitting for the portrait look like they're like good so like if the person was like ghastly ugly they could not paint them as ghastly ugly they had to paint them 
as pretty. And so there's a lot of people, especially because in the royal families and upper classes, there was a lot of incest and like, because everyone was, it was a very small you population. keep it in the family. Right. Well, yeah, it was a very small, you know, marry your cousin or whatever, just because there's not a lot of people to marry in the upper classes, that there was a, probably a lot of people that were one, either like just filthy ugly or two, like with a lot of like genetic disorders that don't come through in the paintings because the painters like didn't want to get killed or something. I think that's fascinating. It's fascinating. And it's also, it's also quite hilarious that we're always talking about touching up photos when, right. the original when the royalty filter. has been doing it forever. Royalty has been doing it forever. Right. Don't believe everything you see. Why do we hate Instagram so much if it really is, it's always been the 1% who's right. forced us <laughs> to try and look Eat prettier than we are. <laughs> ridiculous um okay so speaking of royal what, what was my thought anyway we recently watched and by recently i mean like last night diana the musical you can see it on netflix it's on netflix it is possibly the worst musical i've ever seen in my life and i've seen a lot of musicals i've seen a lot of musicals right if you've seen a lot then i've seen at least five times i have to many. say the the Manuka High School rendition of Anything Goes. Was it good? Significantly better than Diana. <laughs> Significantly. I, honestly, I don't blame you. Significantly right. better. This is what I think is funny. So, again, no one cares about this. But this is the first time in history a show has been recorded and put on demand or streaming or whatever prior to actually having a performance because covid shut them down i will they say start that previews. i think that's brilliant i think so because now they know that it's absolute trash and yeah. now they can now just they, like hey do, now we they won't don't do it need anymore. to right. they don't need to go to broadway oh my god i'm shocked they can they save so much money oh my gosh wait, they started so speaking they're, spanish at one wait, point so they're it was on, very confusing they have a broadway they have a theater and everything's booked and, and all that fun stuff. Let me look. I'm glad I have my laptop with Diana. The musical. I just think at some point you need to be able to bow out. And they definitely need to not. They they need to not have any shows. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Every single show is just going to lose money. I I will say this. As I was watching it, it became very clear to me that this was the perfect musical for, like, women above the age of 75. Like, this is their jam. So maybe that's all. I don't know how many people over the 75 in the middle of a the end of a pandemic are going to New York right now. But you can get tickets. When do they open? Oh, my gosh. They begin November 2nd. I want to see how. Should we go? Let's Just to go. Could you imagine? I don't know. It was hard for me to sit through the first one. I'd be bored. I do I see think, how much they cost. I think it would be different if we were there in Fine person. tickets. You think? Yeah. Maybe they're going to workshop it. Okay, we can go Tuesday, November 2nd at 8 p.m. For 20 bucks. Fine tickets. Let's see. We're searching. I'm going to laugh if it's sold out. Oh, hold on. Here we go. First let's see, row. Let's see how many rows you 20 think 20 bucks. Are. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, it's pretty full. All the grays are out. I will say this. Hold on. 
let me see. I um so I've been to Broadway three two or three times. Okay. Okay. And these tickets Me too. Me are, too. Uh, I've been to Broadway a few oh times. Oh my god, these are not cheap at all. What the 500. heck? Well, we are post pandemic. Oh my god. Yeah, so it's gonna cost you the cheapest ticket I can find is $130. They don't even have like standing room only 20 buck tickets or anything like that. So you don't standing room only on Broadway. That's what I did. First what? show I ever saw, Spam a lot. on Broadway? Really? Yeah. We've talked about this, but I've forgotten. You. What a great show. It's actually significantly better. So it's, you've got the. Um, it depends on the theater. Is it the orchestra? Is that right. what the bottom's called? The pit. The whatever, whatever. So, I mean, I know what the orchestra pit is. I'm talking about right. those row of seats right after. It's, yeah, it's the orchestra. That's what so it's once you get up to the end of that, you could stand really? behind them before you get up into the mezzanine and the upper. Right. So it was better seats than what most people were paying for. You it, just had to stand the right. whole time. It may be, were you a student at the time? I was, but I didn't say that. I was just oh, like, what's know, the cheapest ticket I can get? I know that some places reserve standing room only only for students to help get more people in the door. Makes sense. Um, but also, it could be every single theater. One is different. All the theaters on Broadway are extremely small. Yep. And so it could just be the, the configuration of the theater. But yeah. um, if you want, you can pay. Front row seat is $225 for Diana. Do it. Get it. That's It was terrible. It was just terrible. Anyway, that's all I want to say about Diana. You want to move on? Or do you want to say anything about Diana? Do I want to say anything about Diana? Oh, my God, though. If I can just give them one, like, positive comment, their costume changes were the best costume changes I have ever seen in I'm a show. really, really curious if they can Edited actually do it. that live. Right, me too. If they can... I think they got. I was, they may get a Tony nom. Well, honestly, they, for costumes, they alone. could get a they Tony get, nom and for then those it costumes. It would be the Tony nominated and award winning <laughs> Diana's yeah. musical. Just yeah, like, hilarious. But um, if you that would make it all worth it. This is one of those things, and I. So, fun fact about me: I don't drink at all. Just not my thing. Um, however, there are certain things in life where I think to myself, you know, I feel like this would be really fun to participate in if I was drunk to some degree. Won't ever do it, but I just think I, I could see like this could be fun. I feel like Diana the Musical could be fun, like making a drinking game out of it. Will I ever do that? No, but I feel like it could be a thing. Kind of like when we when we bought and played that Titanic, yeah, the board game. Yep. I feel like Titanic, that the board game would also be a good game to do while drinking. So here's something that I find peculiar about that comment. About that comment, <laughs> Titanic. Pretty big tragedy. Right, Diana. Diana, her life, unfortunately, was a bit of a tragedy. Right. And and neither of those are are things that we should make light of. True. Yet somehow we We made... We do. Yeah. There was this... There was this Academy Award winning movie about the Titanic. And now we've got... We've got a Broadway musical. <laughs> Potentially Tony nominated Broadway yeah. musical Diana. Really, they do have potential right. with those costumes. Right. But like the whole thing, 
I'm just thinking the whole time, like this is not. Th- it didn't this feel is, respectful to the life of Diana. It didn't. It didn't feel respectful to Diana, and really, it just the whole thing just kind of felt gross. Right. I had the same experience, and also like, imagine you. So I, again, I don't know who greenlit this idea for musical. When I heard about it two years ago, I thought it was going to be terrible, and I was proven to be right. But so you set off to do a musical about Diana, which again, tragedy, the most loved royal like on the planet, tragic death, yada, yada, yada. And then your musical comes out and it is then deemed like a mockery and one of the worst things. Like Some people are saying it's worse than Cats. Like that's a really bad review. <laughs> it's like terrible. Like that's disrespectful to the dead. That's really sad. I feel bad for the people involved. But if you could pick any tragedy to turn into a Broadway musical, what would it be? I already have mine. That is a it's a tough question. Okay. I've got plenty of good plays. Like Pompeii. Okay. You don't want that play. to be a musical? Um, I, you're right. I think Pompeii would be too dark. Fukushima. <laughs> that would be terrible. Too soon. I think that would be a great play. <laughs> it would be a great play. Isn't there already a movie similar to that? I've watched one of them. Yeah, I think, I think both of them have movies. Right. Um. <laughs> I can't think of a good tragedy to have a musical about. And I think it is. Because I like, think, think Les Mis. Les Mis is tragic. Hopeful at the end, but Well, tragic. Les Mis is a. Fake story. Is it? Yeah, it's a fake story about a, a period of right, time. Right. But it is it is written as a tragedy. Right. So that makes sense. I don't. I think it's hard to write a. I think it would be hard to write a musical about a real life tragedy right. that puts it in good light. If I told you that there is a musical about it's Titanic, the musical that was actually very well received, it came out decades and decades ago. It was very well received. Does that change your your opinion and thus helps you decide what you want to be the next tragic musical? It. It does not change my opinion. I would be interested in seeing it. I still think it it I I stand by my opinion that it would be very difficult to do a real life tragedy respectfully. Respectfully and to have a a well received musical about right. it. But I would I would be interested in seeing this Titanic musical. Right. And I see, hear we say before Oh, and sorry, go ahead. That does not help me choose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we say this. I understand what you're saying because the second they make a 9-11 musical, I'm done. Like, yeah, no, that, we're I not I mean, that was the there. only thing I was thinking is like... It's not going to happen. I like, don't see... You can never do that well. It would always be terrible. 9-11 has some uplifting parts, like the movie with Nicolas Cage. Right. Like that had a had World a Trade Center, yeah. Yep, Great that movie. had a a happy ending, right? In the most tragic time in U.S. history, right? Arguably, recent history, yeah. Yeah, so I think that is that is one where like you can see how it can be done 
and it would almost be a, a movie is more akin to a play. Right. So you can see how you can do it as a play. Right. Right. Because right, a right. musical, I just well, and I think something about musicals. I feel like they have to be right. And I think it's because musicals have, and again, Diana didn't really do it any justice. Musicals have this like razzmatazz, jazz hands kind of um, stereotype when there are a lot of musicals with zero dancing in them. And I mean, Les Mis is close. Les Mis says some choreography, sort of very light choreography. But um, but yeah, I can see like I, I what was weird about Diana is like you had people doing legitimate choreography. Yeah, <laughs> it was just very strange. Do you want to hear my idea? Let's hear it. Yeah, I want to hear it. <laughs> Tell me. I don't know why, but I feel like it could be really good. The Donner Party. You got the, the Oregon Donner Trail Party. vibes. It'd be kind of lame, is like yeah. Because there are survivors is, to the Donner Party, and so that there could be a whole one... thing. And that is one that I also I also think that when the tragedy is natural, right? To me, then it's not a like there isn't the the antagonist is nature. I think that's the most important part is that if there is a person Ooh, that we are this is an that we are theory. being being pit against, right? Like that makes it more difficult, right? And to your point, whereas if it's just like, well, it it's an act it of God, right? Like you got, you got stuck in the snow, right? And to your point, Titanic is technically an act of nature, hence the iceberg, and whereas of Diana is not an act of nature, yeah, yeah, right. But Lynn and I think that's part of that why paradigm. the movie. I'm not so keen on the Titanic movie. Like, yeah, it's a great story, but. It's all made up. It's true. And like that is not. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a guy like <laughs> that's great. Uh, I'll never let go. Blah, blah, blah. Right. But he it's all fake fit on the door. He, he could have fit like, fit on come on, people. Right. Use your he brains. Was being a gentleman in a very chivalrous time. And, you know, I didn't I didn't um, I never ran the calculations. I don't know how much they weigh. Maybe the door wouldn't have been able to hold their weight. Right. They could have submerged enough to still be in the water. Is the door solid? Is the door oak? Is it walnut? Right. Like, there's a lot of numbers you have to run. Maybe uh, what they didn't show us was them both trying to be on the door. Yeah, they didn't show Jack's uh, piece of paper. That part got cut. He did the calculations on. I will say I'm pretty sure Mythbusters does an episode on this. So maybe we should just find the Mythbusters. I guess you could look up and see what what the Titanic doors would have been made of. But they're already hungry. They're Probably cold. Wood. Yeah, I know I know wood, right. but the type of wood changes the density, which changes its buoyancy. <laughs> and that, depending on how much everything. they weigh, right. that would Why force them Why couldn't he have just gotten in. into one of the boats nearby? I have started... Well, the boats were pretty far away. Well, they didn't come around till like hours later. What are you What are you talking about? Why didn't Jack get into one of the are boats? Are you talking about like historically speaking or in the movie? No, in the movie. Okay, okay. I will say that they just put Titanic on Netflix, and so I've watched like the first hour of it. Definitely hits different as an adult because the last time I saw this movie was in my younger childhood, which again kind of strange for me to rewatch. I did not watch the scene. If anyone's the wondering. scene, um. 
Uh, it definitely hits different. I'm interested to finish it to see how the ending hits. <laughs> but um, anyway, I think Donner Party would make a great, great musical. If anyone's out there, <laughs> for, I won't write the idea. I just want, I want uh, props for the idea. It really. That's the only one I, I can think of. I think the other part about musicals is you don't go to be depressed. I and, beg to differ. I mean. Some of my favorite musicals are depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Like Next to Normal about a mom with yeah. mental health issues who's imagining imagining her son is alive but he died when he was three and it's wrecking her family and they seek counseling but the doctor wants to do electric shock therapy which is obviously not helpful and then they all come together and try to work through it as a family and it's just it's not necessarily a bad ending but it's not a happy ending because life isn't always happy endings it's a great musical it won a nobel prize it won a Nobel Prize. Oh yeah, it was. It's one of like the like five musicals in in the history of the Nobel Prize to win the Nobel Prize. Wow. Hamilton being the most recent one. Wow. Wait, Hamilton won a Nobel Prize. Well, like they wait. Hold on. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you hold mean on. a Pulitzer Prize? So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. It won the Nobel Peace Prize. I think they do have a Nobel they Peace Prize a, for literature or something like right, that. Right, but it's the Pulitzer. I'm so sorry. There's Pul- only... There's <laughs> <laughs> makes a little more sense. <laughs> that's that's like, oh, wow, okay. The Nobel Peace Prize is like, are you serious? Wow. Freaking good. <laughs> we need to watch this now. Is it still on Broadway? I'll go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, but I actually like... But, but I'm weird. I watch... I like being... Like, I like... My favorite movies are not the... Ha- I like Happy Go Lucky and like some comedy, but my favorite are like the dark psychological thrillers and yeah. the ones that make me think about life. And I'm thinking about it now. The only one coming to mind is Waitress. And I don't think Waitress really has a happy ending. I don't know Kind of ending. It's kind of lackluster. Yeah, it's one of those like where it's just like... Mm. Don't worry, we won't ruin it. But neither of us have, have seen it either. We so had the we- opportunity to. But yeah, we, said, we did. Mm, no thanks. Yeah, instead, we went and saw the story about the fluffer puffs. What? Right? <laughs> puffs? Is that the name? Yeah, it was like some. That's their Hufflepuff. It the was Puffins. called the Puffs, but it was about. It was a. It was a. It was a fan fiction. It, it's yeah, it was a fan fiction of Harry Potter, <laughs> <laughs> but it was off Broadway, so it was like a legitimate it was off one. Broadway. <laughs> yeah, it's also you can stream. We it. chose that over. It's on Waitress. Amazon Prime now, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, sorry, were you? Yeah. So I, I guess the, you're right. There are, there are some not happy endings that that seem to go well, but. I just I can't think of a good William is a good tragedy. Oh yeah. Maybe I just keep coming back to like natural disasters. Oh my gosh, I just had another one. Miss Saigon is one that's like a tragedy. And then um Maybe there's a lot that are tragedies. They did they've made a musical version of a tale of two cities. Oliver is I would consider kind of a tragedy. Yeah. Um Annie's got some sad moments in it, but I wouldn't say it was yep, tragic. Yep. I would think something something associated with the San Andreas Fault. I knew you were gonna go. Would there. be good. 
They've made like 15 movies about it. This wouldn't it. be a real life. You want... No, you could do a real life. 1989. Oh, the earthquake. Yeah. You're looking at me like I'm... Yeah, the I don't 89 earthquake. I forget the 1889 or 1989. 1989. There was a really bad earthquake in 1989. Or, or, could be the new Madrid seismic zone. The earthquake. Nothing sounds catchier 19... than the new Madrid seismic. No, zone. it would be called something like. <laughs> yeah, good it's going to be that. like the shaking in the night. The shaking in the night. Oh my <laughs> The God. devil comes down to Georgia. That's that's Although it wasn't it wasn't Georgia. It would be I have no idea what you're talking about. What is this new The Madrid new Madrid seismic, seismic zone? zone is is a is a seismic zone or or a a an area with high tension in the earth where you've got and this is basically within the Mississippi River Valley in between kind of southern Illinois Missouri and Tennessee okay so it's New Madrid I think is in Missouri and it is the area that had the largest earthquakes in the continental US ever and these were I think it was 1912. Okay. So like not recent, but like. No. And I think that would be. New Madrid. New Madrid. Madrid. Seismic. Oh, the, oh, oh 1811 the, and 1812. Wait, you mean the new Madrid seismic zone? New Madrid. It is no, it is. Clearly two separate words. And I'm on the usgs.gov website. You're saying New Madrid? It says the New Madrid Seismic Zone. Um, you just botched that. No, no. <laughs> Look, they call it the, what do they call it in? New Madrid. I don't, New I don't think Madrid. you're right. I don't think you're right. I 100%, I would, I would bet you money. It is the new Madrid seismic zone. I'm going to find that thing where Google tells me how to pronounce something. Hold on. See, this is... Okay, so getting on to this point, there are a lot of of these things, not only in... I think mostly in... in, um, Do you know what APG is? Oh, it's the American... AAPG? No, this is the American pronunciation. Oh. Oh wait, I'm gonna. I'll well, hold on. Let me. I guess I'll go just play it. You keep talking. Now go ahead and play it. Let's see what it says. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who is. this guy is. That guy. That um, guy doesn't know what he's I talking don't. about. No, you need a. A scientist. You need somebody oh, who actually on. studies it. Oh, hold on, you just talked over him. Oh, he said New Madrid. Wow. The YouTube influencers say New Madrid, but you say New Madrid. Yeah, I'm going to go so with you, even though I hate new, it with a passion. So this is this is a funny point, that this happens in, in geology. Like, whoever is talking about something right. ends, up, ends up mispronouncing it. 
and, and it, it just sticks. gets stuck. Yeah. So like the um, so it actually is New Madrid, but since somebody said New Madrid, and it just people were afraid to be wrong, so they just kept uh, saying it. Maybe that's funny. But then like um, Lano. Oh, the Lano uplift when it's uplift, right? Yeah, the Which Lano really uplift. The Yano. Yeah. Yeah. Lano being spelled L L A N O. So that's actually the Yano uplift. And then you've got the a similar basin in Colombia, which is the Llanos Basin, spelled exactly the same way, except it has an S at the end. So that one obviously being in a place where they have native Spanish speakers, they pronounce it correctly. Whereas for some reason, we call the Llano uplift, the we pronounce Llano, Llano. So this happens a lot in I would say in science specifically in geology where we mispronounce things just because oh and um and uh Cairo Cairo Illinois what is it supposed to be well it's spelled the same way as uh as the capital of Egypt how would you pronounce it Cairo what did I say Cairo did I? I think maybe they pronounce it Cairo then. Oh, but that's like Waxahachie and like the random towns in Texas that, or like what's the other one? Anyway, do you want to move on? Yeah, we can move on. Okay, so are we ready for Allie's theme song? Of, oh my gosh, what if I made a theme song? Yeah, that would you be need fun. to. I wouldn't have to pay for this. Okay, I full disclosure, I'm only able to read a little bit about of this because of the paywall. Stop, because of the paywall. But is that you saying stop? Stop scaring me. No, so this is definitely something that freaks me out, but. It is um, what is called uh, in the tech community as the singularity. Do you know what that is? And if so, would you care to explain for our audience? Yes. I do know what it is. The singularity. So when we're talking about tech, this is specifically talking about artificial intelligence. The singularity is the idea that at one point, artificial intelligence will be so smart that it will be teaching itself and it will surpass human knowledge and human understanding and therefore be be smarter and more sentient and, and able thus, than us. Yes. That's and thus be able to take over the planet take over. Terminator stuff. If it wants to. Right. If it wants to. Right, right. So I have We still a- don't know because we don't have a sentient sentient uh praise god you know thing so here's my thing um one i've known about the singularity for a while now i was raised on sci-fi it was raised on terminator saw the movie ai artificial intelligence Wait, should we watch terminator later tonight Uh, the new one Mm, i don't know they get pretty bad they've they've got a lot now Anywho, i watched ai artificial intelligence with Haley joel osmond as a child traumatized me i freaking hate that movie and I don't know if you've seen it, but Haley Joel Osment plays like a robot boy that has essentially become sentient and like, but he has no rights because he's a robot, but like you feel bad for him. Anyway, it was traumatizing. So it uh, was trending and um, there was this, um, as this article says, the world biggest annual meetup of transhumanists, which that right there is uh, confusing to me, um, called Transvision. And they had a 
anti-aging specialists there. They had a bunch of tech people, whatever. They also had um, Max Moore, who was there discussing cryogenics. So, you know, this type of collection of peoples. But this guy named Ray Kurzweil from Google, he apparently was talking about the singularity. And hear me say, he works for Google. He knows stuff. He said he gave a year for when he thinks that we will hit the singularity. And I did more research, and apparently he's predicted a lot of things in the tech world that have come true, like the internet. Do you want to guess the year that he gives to the singularity? 2024. That's that's, <laughs> it's like that's two years, two from, years now. from now. Okay, yeah. guess is like a realistic guess. Mm, 2045. On the nose, 2045. 2045 is the year that we have to worry about Terminator. I'm terrified. Like, I, like, I don't, why are we, like, why are we making, and this is, hear me say, I, I have an iPhone, but, like, I don't need my phone to do all that stuff. I just feel like you can't really do much in this world without an iPhone, so I have one. I do not like tech in cars. I, like, I like very dumb cars. We have very dumb washer and dryer machines. We do not have, like, uh, Alexa's around we do not have a ring like doorbell we don't have camera like we are kind of surprising well I don't know some people may not be so surprised all those, we're low tech all those thieves out there who are listening come rob our house don't we won't you know. dare we do have we do have a security we system. do have a security system but it's like an and old maybe we one. do have a ring I don't know <laughs> so I go mean, on try and steal our packages <laughs> or maybe you just shouldn't um we're I just I'm not afraid of technology I just I like to use technology as tools, but I don't like to use technology necessarily for things that I can already be doing. Like, I don't need, does that make sense? Like, I don't want to use it out of convenience. I want it to actually like, be a tool to help me achieve something. Yep. So like an yep. Apple Watch, like it's just not for me. Like I'm not, I don't need to be able to have my text yep. messages on my wristwatch. Yep. Um, yeah, the singularity scares the crap out of me. I do not understand why we are continuing to like teach robots how to play chess and like all this random stuff. And like there are people who are like wanting, like no, I don't want to ever get to the point where I have to decide whether or not a robot has rights. Like that's just not a complex philosophical question that I feel we ever need to get to the point of. Like there is no reason why we ever need to get close to that point. And it pisses me off and also terrifies me at the same time. 2045. Too soon. 2045. How old will Jake be in 2045? I don't know. He was 20, 2045 minus 2018. 27, I think. He may be able to survive. But, but, I... You're not bothered by it? I don't think that... I think this would make a great tragic musical oh my gosh the singularity this, this Ooh, would be, be like it. a space rock opera space rock opera oh i know there's a fly lights. flying around oh lights no i saw lights flash up there oh somebody driving oh. anyway yeah great rock opera but no i don't think it's anything we have to be scared about and maybe this guy knows something we don't. Maybe they're on the edge of something, something new. There are these, everybody, maybe two years ago, started talking about quantum computing. So there's there's a lot of, right now there's parallel computing and and then there's cloud computing. And basically you can run something 
run different steps of the process all at the same time. So instead of having to go counting from one to a hundred, you can basically count each number on its own process. So that way you go from one to a hundred as opposed to one, two, three, four, etc. So what is the so quantum that quantum computing like puts that on steroids. So that's something where people were like, oh, once we have quantum computing, things like Bitcoin are useless because then the the process of mining Bitcoin becomes so much easier. I will say when I was Googling the singularity stuff for this uh, conversation, the first article that popped up was Bitcoin is the singularity. What? No idea what it meant because I didn't click it. But what? <laughs> Wouldn't so that I, be crazy? I think that... And that's something that people were talking about. Now people like don't seem to be scared about quantum computing. At least they're not talking about it in Why would they be scared about it? Because it would make Bitcoin not worth Well, as much? no, because it the idea of quantum computing it it makes everything it makes computing that much easier, which means it makes They're faster to becoming sentient. Well, the the main thing they were talking about was cybersecurity. So anything that currently is really hard to break, like passwords, uh, all of a sudden becomes super easy to break. Because the computer could just keep guessing, 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 guessing. Yeah. Guessing so until got it. once there's quantum computing, basically there is no security. See, this is what I'm saying. Why are we trying to get to quantum? When because we ultimately, know it cause so many problems. Well, it it ultimately makes. Makes everything work better, I guess. I just feel like everything's working just fine the way that it is. Mm, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, it this is part of that whole idea of constantly seeking more and greater efficiencies. <laughs> the scientist is trying to explain to And me. it Science. is trying to force us to quicker, faster understanding and bigger answers. Right. When it comes to the singularity, I I don't know what this guy knows. And I'm not a computer scientist. What I mean this guy you mean Ray from Google. Yeah, Ray from Google. I do have one question about this article. If Ray from Google is so great at predicting things and he's so smart he predicted the internet, but what does it matter that he's at Google if he's predicting the internet? The internet was here long before Google was. So you are assuming that he predicted the internet last year? <laughs> <laughs> the man is not young, No, sir. no, 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 no. I'm not saying he predicted the internet last year. I'm just curious, like, it, it sounds like a discrepancy, like, oh, he predicted the internet. Oh, but he he's also at Google, so he has double credentials. Like to me, they're they're trying to build up his I'm his gonna, gonna read the credentials. Quote. Whereas it really those two things are are not they don't they don't build on top of each other to me. Ray Kurzweil. Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Hold on, I can't. Oh God, okay, hold on a second. 
Ray Kurz. There we go. Ray. Okay. Predictions. Oh, he looks um, like an inventor. He's an inventor and a futurist born in 1948. He's involved in field. This is from Wikipedia. He is involved in fields such as optical character recognition, text-to-speech synthesis, speech recognition technology, and electronic keyboard instruments. He has written books on health, AI, transhumanism, the technolo technological singularity, and futurism. Uh, ba -ba he has received 21 honorary doctorates. How can I? Oh, and alma mater, MIT. That should have been one little giveaway there. Um, predictions. Here we go. That was a long way. Okay, ready? Kurzweil's first book, The Age of Intelligent Machines, presents his ideas about the future. Written from 1986 to 1980. It took this man four years, sorry, three years to write this book. It was published in 1990. Building on some other book, Kurzweil claims to have forecast the dissolution of the Soviet Union due to new technologies such as cellular phones and fax machines disempowering authoritarian governments. In the book, Kurzweil also extrapolates trends in improving computer chess software performance, predicting that computers would beat the best human players by the year 2000. And in May 1997, it happened. Perhaps most significantly, Kurzweil foresaw the explosive growth in worldwide internet use that began in the 1990s. At the time when his book was published, there was only 2.6 million internet users worldwide, and the medium was unreliable, yada, yada, yada. But he stated it would explode, and it did. Let's see, let's see. These are kind of boring. Anyway, he's smart. So he predicted the Soviet Union would fall and that the Internet would become a large, popular, mainstream oh, device. this is my favorite sentence of this whole thing. Ready? Yep. Um, Forbes magazine claimed that Kurzweil's predictions for 2009 were mostly inaccurate. For example, Kurzweil predicted that the majority of text is created using continuous speech recognition, and this was not the case. Ironically, that's what he works at, is the speech rate. So he was just really thinking he was cool. Yeah, it sounds like anyway. he was making bets on I will himself. say there, are, there is like a... a a little religion all built yeah. around the singularity. So I'm yeah. not just making this yeah. stuff up. People I agree. are legitimately concerned about this. So the one thing that I, I heard a talk a few years ago about the singularity, mostly it was a it was a random question. No, it wasn't a random question. It was talking about what is artificial intelligence and then what is not artificial intelligence. Sorry, I'm having a lot you're, of problems. You're today. having some trouble I over know, there. I should never have raised this mic as high. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> so the there's there's several different groupings of artificial intelligence. There is there is non-artificial intelligence, which is really more automation. That is where we tell a computer right. exactly what to do. It does it, gives us answers, and can continue doing that until we tell it to stop. Then there is what is called, and this is like machine learning, artificial intelligence, there is supervised machine learning where we basically tell it, these are, here's data, this is the type of thing you are trying to find, these are correct answers, these are incorrect answers, now you go and try and find those. Right. And then there's unsupervised machine learning where you 
give the computer a bunch of data, and I may be wrong on this. R18 listeners, feel free to correct me. <laughs> there is. If you correct Joe successfully, we'll take you, you out to dinner. I was say, you text me. We will give you something fun for sure. Yeah. Really, we just really need friends. So please <laughs> invite yourself over for dinner. Please. Please. <laughs> but then there's unsupervised machine learning, which is more you give it data and then it finds and gives you insights or really statistical correlations based on that data. And then if you want it to, it can, so that's kind of deep learning. And then going into the like automation side of it and AI, it takes what it has determined were the most important correlations. And then it solves questions based on that, that are based on new data coming in. The The most important part here, though, is that with every single one of those, there is not a, a decision that the machine is making that was not driven by the user doing some type of user input and telling it, this is what you need to do. Right, and the singularity would be the computer decides to give itself its own input. Yeah, kind of. It does of. it on its own. Yeah. So we really are not anywhere near Race, the idea right. of, of Race, the singularity. Race is 2045. I feel Race like that's pretty close. Race is 2045. He was I, wrong. I mean, there may be some things that he's thinking about. Hey, he works in predictive text at Google. <laughs> there, is, there is another aspect of this. Well, predictive text. Half the time they're right, the other half of the time they're way off. They are hilarious though. They are, they are. But the other aspect to this is what's called Moore's Law. So this is an empirical law that basically... <laughs> I just love because like, you're looking at me and like I really feel like I'm like a pupil and you're like <laughs> Professor Joe's hat is on and so, you're like trying to instruct me. So on Moore's thing. Law was... And I, I don't remember. You'll have to, you'll have to put a link to Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm sure that they are very interested in clicking that. They link. are <laughs> basically what Moore's law is. Is it is showing, it is an empirical correlation to how quickly we get faster and faster computers, and it's on the order of something like every 18 months, we we essentially double the number of processors on a chip something along those lines so you get it's not exactly doubling the speed but you're doubling the amount of data that you can look at the the reason this is important is that Moore's law is kind of the it does determine how how much data we can look at and really how fast computers can go and we are actually getting to the point where Moore's law is no longer relevant because we're not hitting those numbers anymore. Mm. Like we have we've we've we've, we've hit kind the top of, of the plateaued. Curve. Yeah, we are we are kind of we're at the plateau. We're not increasing at the same rate anymore. And so that to me says the the speed at which technology and the speed at which our our 
I guess, technological advances are occurring is going to slow down. Mm. Maybe not now, maybe not five years from now, but it is ultimately going to, it's going to slow down. Right. And it's going to start, start kind of crawling along on something like, like the, um, like Tesla and their self-driving cars. We've been talking about self-driving cars for a very long time, mm-hmm. but I hope to God we never get to that point. I'm very anti-self-driving car. <laughs> but there's a lot of there's a lot of steps that still need to be figured out before we really are at autonomous self-driving cars. Right, and that is something that the number one thing being if there's a car wreck, whose fault is it? Yeah, whose fault is it? But I think that I mean that really is. That kind of gets to that sentient being question of if there's a robot who's sentient, does he... Will people be able to sue the car and take the car to court and put the car in car jail? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. And that is the singularity. But that is... Car jail. So that is the human aspect of it. But we're not even to the point where that it would be... It would be socially irresponsible at this point to have cars having complete control over over passengers and other people on the road. Unless it's a Disney Pixar movie entitled Cars. <laughs> the other... But no, to my knowledge, people don't get inside of no, those cars. No, no, they don't. <laughs> that would be interesting. So I think that is... Right now, it would be socially irresponsible. The question is, when would we actually get over that that um, hurdle? And I don't think that that's going to be for a while. This is what I'm saying. We're not back up. I haven't been saying this at all. This is why I am. I'm not anti-technology in the least bit, but like that and I will have to find it and put it up here but there was a study done in like the 50s where they were like hey like what's it going to be like in like you know the 90s with all of our technology and the prediction was that technology would get to the point that um the productivity levels would be so high and that the expectation was that everyone would only have to work like 20 hours a week because the productivity the technological advances would allow you to have the same amount of productivity but less amount of work and that everyone would be able to be happier. They'd be able to take more time to spend with their families. It would be like overall more positive for society. And they ran the numbers and they have found that we have matched the technological advances like it's statistically in terms of like efficiency um, numbers, but we have increased the workload on people. And so instead of the technology allowing us to like take care of ourselves and like not have to stress ourselves out. Like I feel like we live in a world where technology is not doing that. Like it it is not, it truly isn't making our lives easier. We may think in some degrees that it is, it's really making our lives more complicated because really like the amount, if the tech, if we could still be a hundred percent productive, but work 20 hours less, I promise you most people would ask you to work the full 40 hours to be 200% productive because that's the way our culture works. And I just think that's dumb. Like, like that's just as stupid to me. Like, I don't, 
if technology is not going to help make our lives truly easier and truly less complicated and like in more in this, I know is a very kumbaya, kumbaya thing for me to think. I know the world's not perfect, but I just think it's pointless. Like why work on technologies if it's not going to make, it's not going to help anything. Unless it's like a medical thing, like a medical technology. I'm all for those. But like all like the computers and like the ram and you know the software and i'm like if it, if it if i still have to work 40 hours a week but i'm having to be even more productive to make people happy then it's not worth it to me <laughs> i see what you're saying <laughs> yep i hear you I and that's it, coming from a stay-at-home mom <laughs> it is I think that's a conversation for another time. You don't want to have that talk for the next two hours. Well, we're at we're <laughs> it at was a, a joke. We're joke. at an hour and ten minutes. Oh, we got to leave. And I think it's I think on that note, it's important to point out that there are there are a lot of different competing competing interests there, and that is part of the problem that that we have this this I mean frankly, the idea of the economy that it is always up and to the right. So we are always increasing in value, always decreasing value of money. And that is in itself a problem because that means we do always have to be working and always have to be trying to to have enough for when we can't work anymore, which is a which is a weird concept to think about. But then the idea of productivity and and increasing value, that is being pushed off onto companies, which then they push off onto their workers. Right. And at that point it's it is a it is one of those things that it there's this there's this balance or this this um tension between work and life and and probably more importantly with that, the quality of life and ultimately what quality of life does for the health of your workers, which may save you money. And it's an intricate balance. Yeah. And then the government, throw the government in there, everything <laughs> they're doing, who knows what they're doing, trying to take taxes, but then help people Hear me out. what if we've already reached a singularity and what if that is what is running our country i'm kidding that's a conspiracy Ooh. theory ignore everything i just said <laughs> yeah so i think there's a lot of different a lot of different aspects to all of that and then and that's just like talking about the u.s try throwing in right developing nations and where do they get to fall in line right. because half of them don't even don't have, have power, water, right? No running water, no electricity. And the only way they're going to get those is through some type of advancement. And ultimately somebody I mean that or more them. money. <laughs> it could just be normal technology just Well, yeah, normal technology, it. but somebody's got to go over there and put that stuff in. Right. And then what that does is that ultimately uses more resources. Right. Which, being in a resource-heavy industry, that means more people have to produce more. More resources, that is. And the way you produce more resources... That's why hiring Joe Batir. <laughs> is, ...is by becoming more efficient with your production. So, 
which is why we need machines to do it because that's more efficient. But then that's going to cause us to go to the singularity. So really, you're on the side of the singularity, and so thus you are in an in No, <laughs> no, that's not what I'm we saying. We got it in. We're just talking crazy talk at this point. I think it, yeah, trying to solve the world one podcast at a time with that. zero alcohol. Oh, my gosh. Can we just end on the fact that you told me that most podcasts – <laughs> don't make it to 10 episodes it's true it's true it's number 11 guess we what y'all it. number 11 and so that just speaks to either our just success or our sheer determination to continue doing this despite the fact that no one really listens nobody listens we have fun though we haven't gotten any sponsors no sponsors we nobody's no send us a boba tea coupon no nobody's invited themselves over for dinner or an interview nobody has requested to be interviewed but hey we're number 11 yeah that means something and with that it's here we're gonna go bye 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 that was a very abrupt (laughs) 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 i like it it's fine (laughs) did we have anything else to say No. (laughs) no well guys i guess you'll hear us on episode 12 okay bye okay bye